Hey friends, thanks for joining us on the Changed Movement podcast. For more resources, visit changedmovement.com or follow us on Instagram. Let's get started. Hey everybody, it's so great to, to join you. Um, as Ken was saying, we have Cecil and Christine Jackman and no doubt you've seen them pretty often on the Facebook page. Why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves, your background, Cecil, you, a little of your story, and uh, then maybe whatever you'd like to share that could be helpful to the group. What do you see going on on the page? Are there some themes, some things on your heart to share? Take it away. Well, I'm Cecil Jackman, and uh, I want to thank you, uh, Elizabeth, and Ken for uh, giving us this opportunity and uh, opening the store for us. It's highly appreciated. Very much so. We love you guys. We, know, love, we love you all too. We love you all too. Um, well, my story, I, um, I, we live in Florida. I grew up in a cattle ranch in South Florida, um, little town of Clouston, about an hour from West Palm Beach, if that makes any sense to you. But anyway, um, my life, overall, my life was good. I had overall a pretty good childhood, I would say. Um, my dad was a, a, very, a great provider. He was a great provider. He, um, but he was kind of, he, he was a workaholic and he was uh, not there a lot. He was always busy working. I did go to work with him a lot when I wasn't in school. Uh, he was uh, kind of critical, uh, a little on the mean side. I didn't bond real strong with my dad. I love my dad. I forgive my dad. I'm not mad at him. Uh, forgiveness is so important. Uh, he was abusive, uh, and then we'll we'll just leave that there. I don't want to dishonor my dad. Um, my mom took us to church. We were Methodist. My mom was raised Baptist. My dad Presbyterian, so we they merged, and we were Methodist. Until <laughs> my year, where we started going to an Assembly of God church, um, I was uh, sexually abused by a babysitter. I, a school teacher cursed me and saying that I grew up to be gay or a teacher's aide. In third grade, um, band teacher in eighth grade decided to touch me where he didn't need to be touching me. Uh, kids at school tormented me from third grade through that I was Cecil the homo, Cecil the sissy, wasn't good at sports, uh, I couldn't see. Uh, didn't, we didn't know I needed glasses till I got grown. Um, it was uh, a lot of torment for me growing up. I. Uh, in eighth grade, I noticed boys when I hit puberty, so I tried to kill myself because I didn't want to be gay. And uh, thank God I wasn't successful. Um, the torment led up a little bit during high school, and then I went to college. My mom and dad wanted me to get an ag degree, so I went to college. It was really kind of what I was going to get, and that was final. And so I majored in agriculture, got an animal science degree, and um, really hid then. I became really good friends with a girl who was uh, there from the church. Just kind of became good friends. And uh, it's a good cover up. But uh, addicted to gay porn, masturbation, all that went with that. Uh, and really uh, did not want to be gay. I never wanted to be gay. Um, but I finally, wrestling with it in and out of church and for a couple of years, really faithful in church. I served alone trying to get uh, God's approval. I thought I could earn God's love. And once I earned God's love, he would uh, make me straight. Um, so I served everywhere in church I possibly could serve, trying to get God to love me because I, I, I thought he hated me. 
and um, trying to earn, which is love we can't earn. His, his love is there. It's free. He loves us. He's a good father. He loves us and he delights in us. And um, But I was so broken, I couldn't see it. And um, after about two years of serving in every possible ministry I could in church, I came out and I told a guy at the church that prayed, who can I talk to? It's a guy on staff, Manny Rivera, I talked to. And he had a former, his uncle was gay and had, not, had, got, had died recently of HIV, actually AIDS. Had given his life to the Lord probably about a year and a half before he died and lived for the Lord um, before he died. Um, he totally accepted me with open arms and loved me. He did not condemn me at all. I talked to his brother, Tony. And they, they started holding me accountable and tried to help me. My pastors, we talked to him. He received me really well and loved me, but he really didn't know what to do with me. Um, but he did try and he did love me. I can never say he did not love me. And uh, I went to a wedding in New York. I'm, making, I'm trying to condense this down and make it short. I went to a wedding in New York and the pastor there said he could help me. I didn't know if he could. I went up for two weeks. He did some stuff with me, taught me about, uh, maybe take a course on the love of God. Came back home, made me take that course again. And uh, not very long after that, I found myself hopeless, felt there was no sense. I threw in the towel. I prayed to Satan, get me in the gay scene. It was before you could Google and find a gay bar. And um, uh, the next day I ran into one of my cousins who I actually, I, I love very much. He's in his own journey right now. I found out recently, so we need to pray for him. Uh, wanting to try to find transformation himself after years in the gay life. And that's an answer to prayers. So I've been praying for him for years. Uh, I ran into him the next day. I hadn't seen him in years. And the next night I was in a gay bar. I was in that gay bar and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I'm like, what are you doing here, Holy Spirit? What are you saying this to me for? He said to me, Cecil, what are you doing here? And I was convicted for being there. So I, I, I left. I said, I didn't finish my beer. I left. I told my cousin, I got to go. We drove separate vehicles and I went home. But the next weekend, he asked me if he wanted to go again, and I went again. And that, I resisted Holy Spirit, and I, I had sex with a man. And for about two, maybe a little over two months, I lived fully in the gay lifestyle, openly began to identify as a gay, even with people over on the coast when I would see them, and as a gay man. And, uh, but I never wanted to be gay. And then one day, I came in from all night of partying and whoring around and came in after the sun had come up and um, I had to go check water because it was spring, it was dry, the cows didn't have water. My dad was out of town, so I had to go check the water because if the cows don't have water, they die for lack of water and I go to jail. So I went to check the water and while I'm driving around checking the water, I uh, realized I had no remorse or conviction for the things I had done. I had no conviction at all. And then I said to myself, oh, my goodness, I feel like the Lord's gone. His presence is gone. I had always still felt some of his presence. His presence is gone. And it really scared the hell out of me. And I, I began to weep. And I got off my, uh, my quad or four-wheeler ATV. And I laid on the ground in the cow pasture, not really caring where I was. And I began to weep and cry out to God, um, have mercy on me. Please don't let me go. Please have mercy on me. Don't let me go. And I felt he was gone. And I called the guy in New York, Gaspar Anastasi, and I said, can you help me? And he says, come up. And that was the beginning. I had hit bottom. I had finally hit bottom. 
told me before, you got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. If you're not sick and tired of being sick and tired, you're really wasting your time coming and help me trying to help you see soul. And I, but I was finally at bottom and I had no place to do but call out to God and cry out for mercy. And um, shortly thereafter, I found myself in New York and uh, beginning the process of finding out who I was, my true identity in Christ, and who God, that God really did love me. And, and the process of, uh, he, uh, you know, he dealt with the roots. He began to dig out those roots. You, you, too often we try to cut off the top of the weed, but the, the fruits still come. It grows back and we still have the issues. So he began to deal with the roots. And roots, we would go and he'd do some counseling with me. And we began to find the roots of why this fruit of homosexuality was being produced in my life. And we began, he began applying the word of God to it. And we began, he began teaching me who I was in Christ, my identity in Christ, that God loved me. He didn't hate me, which was a huge milestone for me. I was so convinced that God was a big mean bully in the sky, created me just so he could send me to hell. He was mean. I believe God was mean. and He took delight in tormenting us. He had those he loved and those he hated. And I was one he hated. And those he loved, he showered with goodness and blessings. And those he hated, he tormented. And he delighted in tormenting them. So I believed I was wrong. He loved me. He loved me where I was, but so much he didn't want to leave me there. And when I realized that God loved me, I wept and I wept and I wept and I wept. I couldn't stop crying. That God, he loved me. And that was freeing for me. It was freeing for me that God really loved me. And um, that was a major milestone. I began to, it's the, the, my progress in healing and the restoration is sped up quicker and quicker. And taught me of taking my thoughts captive. And my, uh, what am I speaking over myself? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Guarding my heart for out of it flow the issues of life. What am I allowing into my heart? It's also going to affect who I am. So I want to fill up on the word. I want to abide in Jesus because if we, he's divine and we're the branches. We've got to abide in him. And he taught me to abide in Jesus daily, living a devoted life, devoted to my King Jesus and worshiping him, spending time in worship and prayer and in the word. It was so important. And he taught me these things and he walked, he really anchored me to the cross and he taught me who I was. And in four and a half months, because I gave God a year, and I told him in the end of the year, if this man doesn't have me major milestone, I'm putting a bullet in my head. And I was serious. I'm actually pretty good with a gun. And I, um, in four and a half months, I was majorly, majorly transformed. Was I still dealing with SSA? Yes. But I was majorly changed. I, and I knew who I was in Christ. And my goodness, the change that I saw, that I was like, I was a, really a new creation in Christ Jesus. And after four and a half months, he sent me back home. But for two years, he worked really intent with me and called me every other week. I had homework, and you know, discipleship, met with a guy here at church. And, um, and, and it really transformed me. My wife, I met while I was up there, Christine, first day there with my friend Manny in the parking lot at where they, he brought me at the train station in Freeport, Long Island. My Manny Rivera brought me and dropped me off to Gasper. And I saw this little redhead walking across the, the parking lot. And I had no sexual desires towards women, but I did, I you know, a pretty woman when I saw her. She was real pretty. She caught my attention. And uh, I became friends with her. We weren't allowed to hang out. But 
we were allowed to visit at church or with a group of people from church at the diner across the street after church. That was it. And we became friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, she had just recently gave her life to the Lord. Uh, and uh, that's her. She's got a powerful testimony herself coming out of uh, eating disorders. God really has done a ma major renewal in her own life. And um, we became friends, though. And then about mm -hmm. two years later, we got engaged. But I wasn't ready. I was, and I, we got ahead, and the Holy Spirit told me, you'd be slow this down. And the lady from church was the in-house prophet, came and told me, <laughs> Holy Spirit told me he's going to bless yes. me, but you slow this down. And But he's going to bless you. But I didn't listen, and I, we got engaged, and it fell apart. Yeah, yeah. And um, a, numerous, a number of things that fell apart, but it wasn't time. Mm -hmm. We broke up, and the Holy Spirit told me, I want you to date me for a year. And I began to court the Lord for a year. It became five years. I became so content that I wouldn't want to ever marry. I was content in Christ like the all I did meet a wife for three years. And um, I didn't want to ever marry. I was happy in Jesus. And then one day, God, I had a 24-hour layover in New York. And Gasper told me, you need to get married. Okay, who finds a wife finds a good thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, he prayed with me. And I stirred my heart to marry. And Two years later, I was back up there and ran in, and uh, they forgot to pick me up. So I got the rental car. I got to tell it this story a little it's bit. A it's, powerful, it's a testimony. Powerful, it'll encourage some of you this and, part. I mean, I was, I was ready to finally get married, and I did what I wanted a wife. Prayed for me. It was like suddenly I wanted a wife. Two years later, the same month, two years later, I'm up there in December, my friend Craig with me. And we're out at Jones Beach. I told him, I'm going to take you to Jones Beach. And uh, this really big beach, this beautiful beach. And I took him in a parking lot. I says, no, let's go to another parking lot. Went to pull in another parking lot. I says, no, I'm not going in this parking lot. We drove past the tower. There's a big tower. And pulled in. Finally, I pulled in a parking lot. That's true. And I says, it's freezing here. I'm, we're both from South Florida. It was probably in the 40s. And the wind was whipping off. The I says, I'm going to show you the beach and let's go. And um. She's out there doing her devotions in her car. She's no longer going to that church anymore. Mm -hmm. She's back far out of the parking spot and sees me walk by in her yes. rearview mirror. She jumps out and says, hey. Hey, I did. Hey, you're talking a little. Yeah, well, it was actually so supernatural. And I have to give honor to God because um, though we got out of God's timing on it, the word of God <laughs> says not to awaken love until it's time. That's what it says, regardless of where you're at. And I know there's a lot of folks on here wondering, do I, do I get, you know, do I get married? Do I have to prove it? You don't have to prove anything. Right. You don't have to prove a thing because Jesus Christ is living on the inside of you. And so let me encourage you to wait on the Lord. So his waiting, we took a wrong turn and God brought us right on the wrong path and we couldn't have planned it because we'd have probably messed that up. But really, when I got out of the car, I was totally blown away because I literally had just told the Lord, I don't even believe that you have somebody for me. You see, I was still, uh, I was a single mom at the time and divorced. And there he was. I couldn't believe I'm pulling out. And there he is. He's just like, I'm like, really? And I was going through such a hard time. I almost didn't care that he was there. I just needed to hear God on some things. <laughs> but then God supernaturally put things back together. So I think he should tell you what the Lord told him, though, because um, that was really fun, too. Go ahead and tell me. My sister had nagged me for five years that I'd miss God. And my, I love my sister, and we'll leave it right there. I miss God. And, and, uh, and she was the best one, good, 
what God had for me. I'd miss God and she really nagged me. So I was in my anger, I decided <laughs> I would never marry Christine because I was not gonna let my sister be right. And um, so I by her, you know, hey, I says, I ain't marrying her God. I knew who it was, it's Christine. I mean, and uh, but we went for coffee and I told the Lord, I I'll marry her. And <laughs> that was December. It's so funny. July 6th, we, 2002, Six we got married. Later. Six months later, we got married. And yes. I am happy. I, yeah, God restored me and brought me yes. out of Brooklyn and brought me out of all of the issues that so plagued me and made me a new creation in Him. He, and He hid me in Him for a long, long time. And I began, but I knew, but I wouldn't change a minute of it. And then when he, I was ready, he had woken love in me and, uh, and her. And, I love being married. It's the best. We do. I love being married. And We're I, almost 18 years, guys. Seriously. And she's like my best friend. Years. I'm like, holy ghost is fiery. <laughs> Get that done. 18 years. And you have two kids, right? We yeah. have three all together. Three one together. From yeah. And two of our own together. And, uh, we're very thankful. We, we battled a lot, we, not with each other, but we overcame quite a few obstacles. Um, and, uh, and Cecil, even when he had shared his testimonies early on, and, and we live in a very small rural town, faced a lot of um, resistance and a little criticism, but God has strengthened our marriage. Every mm -hmm. single obstacle and battle we've had to go, we've gone together and we've done it with the Lord. And through every single one of them, he's strengthened our marriage and our friendship. Um, we love the Christ that's on the inside of each other. We appreciate the hand of God and we compliment one another. And we couldn't have figured that one out on our own, truthfully, because if I'd have planned it, I'd mess everything up on that one. But uh, we, we have two children of our own together, and um, we've served in many different ways together. And uh, we just in, we're just friends, and, and we enjoy our marriage, and um, I think we're pretty fruitful. <laughs> yeah. We've learned a lot. Chris, Christine, can you, can you speak to what it was like, just super briefly, just what was it like to... Be, begin relationship with him knowing Cecil's background? Yes, um, sure. Actually, I knew in my spirit, I never have told him this, so this is like news for you, Cecil. I have known, and, and it was not a problem for me because I didn't see that. Yeah. That's not, I saw the Jesus in him. I was attracted to the presence of God on the inside of Cecil. I was attracted to who I saw him as. I did not see any of that. And, and this is an encouragement for many on here believing and questioning, you know, when I meet that person, how am I going to know? What do I say? Do not be fearful. God will prepare that way for you. And so for me, it was a non-obstacle. I didn't, I have many people in the, the gay lifestyle and I would go out to gay clubs with them all the time in New York before I knew Jesus. And so it was not a big deal to me. Um, some of my best friends were in the lifestyle and some of them still are. And I'm just thankful. I, it did not bother me. It was not, it was really a non-issue. And I so knew it was just, I had the peace of God about the entire thing. And, and today, how about today with all of the ministry that you guys have begun doing for people with, who experience same-sex attraction, is that hard for you as, as, 
I mean, you're not an outsider at all, but is it hard for you to have the commitment to helping others? No, I, I think um, not. I'm actually enjoying a place of being able to reach out to someone and encourage them in their walk and finding out who they are in Christ. I think that the most beautiful gift is when you can help someone discover what God put on the inside of them and that the lies that they've been believing their entire life. And when you see that come off of them and you see that freedom and the beauty that's on the inside of them that he put there, it's, it's very easy to let that, to, to do that. Now I get really intense and I want to see everybody free now. So I work with that, that part of my, myself, but, um, it's, I, no, it's not. Um, I get, I, I want to pick up a mama's defense for everybody that their feelings get hurt. People call names, but other than that, no, I really enjoy everybody getting to see who God made them to be in this. Cecil, I, I love that you share about the love of God. Um, I feel, you know, I had a lengthy conversation with a friend yesterday who is out, he's in the lifestyle and um, grew up in church, um, loves the Lord. Part of the reason why he's left, he's kind of left church. He's kind of on his own right now, on his own journey, just sorting out, okay, what do I really want? What do I want out of life? I'm not sure that I want to subscribe to a discipleship project process that um, focuses on changing and um, he said, mainly because there's no love of Jesus in that. And, and so what can you say about your revelation of Jesus's love and how important that was? And how did Jesus disciple you? Well, um, Jesus' love and God, the love of Father, you know, love of Father God, I, um, that, I mean, it was, like I said, that was a major, major hurdle for me. And um, so, and how God took me and how Gasper worked, what he did with me, and so we began like the, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. All those things in there about love, well, God is love, you know, First John. So all those things in 1 Corinthians 13, God is. Love is patient, love is kind, all those things. And so I begin to learn of God's nature and his love for me. We go over the Romans 8, 35 through 39. I had, he made me do declarations. All those things can, death or life, I'm paraphrasing it, you know, death or life, angels and principalities separate from the love of God. There's a whole list of things there. Uh, I, I, he made me dare, declare those things. Each of those individual things cannot separate Cecil from the love of God. And I had to do that daily for like a month. Actually, it was probably, it was more than a month. I also had to, you know, in 1 Corinthians 13, say God is each of those individual things. And then also Cecil is each of those things. And I began to learn of God's love. And when I began to learn of his love and who God really was and not my false image of God, those layers that I had, broken layers that I had began to peel off and I began to see who God really was, that he was love and he did love me. And um, like, I mean, I'll tell guys 
God loves you right where you are, even identifying gay. But he loves you so much, he wants to transform you into the proper image in which he originally made you to be. I mean, it's a lie from the pit of hell that God made me to be gay. I believed he made me to be gay, but that wasn't true. Um, whether I became was from things that happened to me in the womb or in, in early childhood that made me that way, that was the fruit of those wounds or those words or those whatever. Um, but God did love me. And um, learning of God's love, God was how much he loved me, that was, I mean, that was so, so huge. And um, I, uh, I re think back to my time in the gay community because I had went through um, Bible programs and stuff and I had Andrew Kaminsky's um, his book and I had read it and his workbook and I, um, so these questions and things that I, I had learned, I would ask these guys and I found out everything that book told me is true. Um, and because uh, I would I would ask these guys these questions, but God loved them, and I, everyone I mean I, I, every one of those guys that I became friends with, all of them really believed in the core that God hated them, all of them. I didn't have a single guy that I would tell you that we, in, they let their barrier down. They all believed in the heart that God hated them, and um, and not a single one of them that I was friends with had a really good relationship with their dad. My cousin Jimmy somewhat a decent relationship with his dad. Um, not so much when he was little, but when he became a teenager, but God could. But yeah, I learned Jesus and who Jesus was and Jesus for me in every situation of my life. He is there. He's there in the struggle. He's there in the good times. I mean, and if you're in the process of your journey, I think of the, when, G, when Peter walked on, when Jesus came in the storm in the third watch of the night, he came to the disciples walking on the storm with a command to go to the other side. So they had a command and they had a promise to go to the other side, stand on Jesus saw them in their struggle and he came walking to them. Why would he come walking to you in the middle of your storm? Because he loves you. He comes to you. They cry, you know, they saw him. They cried out. And he's a ghost. No, it's me, he said, or it's I. And uh, Peter got out of the boat. I would have loved to have got out of the boat too. He got his eyes on the storm. And often we get our, we get the faith and we step out there and we take those risks and we sink. But he cried out to Jesus and Jesus grabs his hand. Why? Because of love and pulls him up. And I believe they, I don't believe they got translated to the boat. I think we walked together hand in hand back to the boat. And that's because of love. He's with us in our storm. My scripture that I so held on to was uh, Hebrews 13, 5, Deuteronomy 31, 6. Both say, paraphrasing it down to the clause, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So many times I thought he was gone. So many times I thought God wasn't near, Jesus wasn't near. Or he didn't really care, but I would say, No, Lord God, regardless of how I may feel, I know you're with me in this. I know you're with me in the storm or this trial or this, this temptation or this SSA that's overwhelming me. You're with me, you're faithful, you're always with me. You don't leave me or forsake me. Why? Because he loves me, and I knew he loved me, and that love gave me fuel to keep pressing on, um, lavishing my worship upon him. It's so important worshiping him and spending time. I would feel heartless, so, I mean, heartbroken sometimes. Or, I mean, I had people in town cast stones at me because of testimony, and it was horrible. But I would say, God, it's not right. I don't understand why I'm having to walk through this, but I'm going to worship you, and I would worship. And uh, spend time sitting at his feet in worship. And, and it, that was where I found peace and I found comfort. And I, if I wouldn't have known he loved me, I don't know that I could have pressed into those times of worship in some of those trials. But I worship him and I sit at his feet and that lifestyle of worship 
a lifestyle worship and it was I found comfort so like you get triggered I want to run to worship I want to run and get at his feet because I've got triggered I've got a struggle I've got to go get my Lord and find my comfort and I didn't know God was rewiring my brain but the Holy Spirit master counselor he knew exactly what I needed and he rewired my brain to run to him when those times tipped up struggle run to him in those times that felt like I mean I failed there was times I looked at porn and did stuff that I shouldn't have done uh, two, when we broke up about two weeks later I found myself in a gay bookstore having sex with a guy in a closet I, and conviction I ran out didn't really finish I ran out weeping because I was convicted but what did I do I ran and I had to go home and I had to go get my secret place and I had to worship because I, I had to repent but I had to worship I had to get with my Lord and uh, that's the best piece, the best, best, most wonderful piece is getting in his presence, getting in his presence. My, my friend Mark Peterson says worshipers get well. And um, that sounds like what you're describing in your journey. It's, it was it was like a ma major part of my journey was sitting at his feet worship. I mean, I made, to be honest, out probably when masturbating in the shower. So I thought, Lord, what can I do? I keep messing up in the shower. So I made my shower into a into a secret place. It was yeah. my secret shower. I would go and sometimes the water would run cold eventually and I had despise cold water on my body. But sometimes I couldn't leave. I had to stay in there. And um I we got married. She's like, why are you going in the shower and stay in there forever? It was my secret place. So I had to go find a new secret place. <laughs> Well, you know, I love um, one thing I, I love is um, having the spouse on here. And of course, Christine is such a good friend of mine. But the trust, like the, the, the faith in God that that a spouse has to have in order to marry somebody like us is just so beautiful. It's such a it's such a beautiful picture of God's unconditional love. And of his graciousness and all of that. And Christine, you are such a ray of sunshine. You're, you're so warm and inviting and just the way that you have loved Cecil so selflessly and just didn't even see his, like you remembered his sin no more, you know, you, but, but committed then to partner the rest of your life with him. I mean, it's one thing to forgive something that somebody did years ago, and you aren't even around them anymore. It's another thing to say, I think I'm going to get all in the middle of this with you, even though you still may be fair. So I don't know. I just, I just want to say, I, I just, I love you. And you're such a, a uh, you're such a testament of, of God's love. Just mm -hmm. your life is that in the way that you have loved Cecil. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Thank you. I'm thankful. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Yeah, I mean, is there anything that you guys, since we're coming up on the 30 minute mark, is there anything that you'd like to share? Anything on your heart that you wanted to make sure that you said to the Facebook community or to the community that follows change? Well, I know I see posts on there uh, every now and then from guys and girls both that are getting to closer to whether that some of them are getting closer. They're starting the date, starting the courtship process. 
and others are still massively struggling with SSA, but they're getting pressure from people. The why aren't you dating? Why my, I used to get that a lot from my dad. Why and also a lot of my family's in the cattle business. A lot of the cowboys. Why aren't you dating? Why aren't you uh, some of the cowboys? Why aren't you whoring around? But um, I would tell I would real quick let them know I'm a believer. I'm a Christian, so I don't do that. But um, I Jesus never married. He wasn't gay. He was fully heterosexual. He never married. The Apostle Paul, I've heard he said he was probably was a widower. We don't know. It's not in the Bible. It's not that important. As far, but he was a single man whenever he wrote, was two-thirds of the New Testament? I don't I may be totally off on that, but it was a huge chunk of the New Testament. God used him mightily as a single man. Um, you don't have to marry to prove to anyone that God's done a work in you. Absolutely. Yep. The Bible does say, who that finds a wife finds a good thing. So... She who finds a husband finds a good thing. Um, but you don't have to get married. Now, you get to the point that, oh, I've got an interest. and Because I, I had gotten, uh, I mean, I was had hit the point where they call this puberty. I would, was a little afraid of being intimate with, a, my, with my wife. And I, even on the wedding day, I thought my pastor was so scared. But, um, but I was curious of it. And... Um, but I was ready. So don't let anyone force you to go out and get in a, a relationship with someone of the, you know, for a future husband, excuse me, or a future wife, if you're not ready. Christine and I got ahead of schedule and it, it made me struggle massively. I wasn't ready. Uh, she came under massive attack from her ex-husband and we thought we were, she was going to lose, we were going to lose her custody of her daughter. And, um, and I just, all hell broke out but it wasn't time yet. So God separated us really in his mercy. He began to teach her more who she was in Christ and me who more I was in Christ and walked me into being a man and walked me into what a manhood was like and uh, walked me in finding out who I was in him and being hidden in him and just being a confident man of God in Jesus Christ. And once I was ready, yes, he put us back together. Yes. Yeah. I think it's funny we're talking about this. That's what I felt really strong. So I'm, I'm like laughing at how this came around. Isn't that awesome? Really, really strongly. There's some people that are waiting and some people are being pressured. Pre just enjoy the Lord. Take your time with him. Don't worry about what other people say because you don't have to prove who you are, except you just need to learn who you are in Christ and enjoy his presence. And when God wants to awaken love in you, he will do it. And we can't really mess that up too bad because Lord knows I've tried to at times because you, know, you just, but the timing of God is important. So allow God, just enjoy. Don't put so much pressure on yourself is my heart for the people out there because I see the hunger in the people on this page. I see the hunger for God. I see the hunger for righteousness and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. So that's what I would say today. Just encourage yourself in the Lord. Take the pressures off at this point and enjoy your walk with him. We, we're given this time on earth to enjoy him and enjoy one another. And so in that, God will put the rest of it together. And, and that's my heart. It's funny. I, I, I guess we're kind of in the flow on that one today. Because that was what's my heart is that timing of God. Take the pressure off. And don't be so hard on yourself all the time. 
God is merciful. He's loving and kind. He says we get up seven times. It's good. It's good. Just keep getting up. If they ask you why, if you're on here and people are asking you, why aren't you married? Why aren't you dating your man? Why aren't you dating women? You're a woman. Why aren't you dating men? Tell them I'm courting Jesus. That's what I used yes. to tell them. I am courting Jesus. I don't want any distractions from me and my Lord. I'm courting Jesus. And I did. Those Friday evenings, Saturday evenings, that I would have been going on a date. I dated Jesus. I stayed home and I sought Jesus. Sometimes I would go out to eat by myself because you know get hungry but i would uh date according to the time i would spend on the phone with a woman i s spent time with jesus and i learned who he was and i just fell in love with him yeah so radically in love with him and that translated in our marriage he was truly the extension of the arms of christ to me that i had never experienced yeah in that i couldn't experience he was an extension of receiving the love of God for me in a real manifest way. So for me, that was like transforming. Um, so powerful. Oh my goodness. We, I think that Doug and I and you two, we could, we could do a session just talking about what we learned about Jesus from, from our marriages. Um, well, it looks like I've lost Ken and I've lost Cecil and Christine. And so I'm so glad that you guys have, uh, have joined us here and um, we'll see you next week. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening. We're glad you joined us. For more content, visit changedmovement.com and follow us on social media. And remember, changed is possible.